Oh, it's wonderful to see so many people here this morning, and your worship is really, really beautiful. Uh, I was so blessed by the music. It's always great to be home. I, I will raise my voice bit by bit, I hope, as I start to preach. I talk softly. Um, Stacy, thank you for what you said, but I am definitely the dummy of my family. Compared to David, Jonathan, Peter, and Noemi, and I am the dummy of the family. And my mother, she, she told me that intelligence has passed every other generation on the maternal side, so it had nothing to do with you or your wife, Mary. Anyhow. But I am, I am uh, the first Christian on the Tepper side of the family. I was converted in 1971 in Boston after finishing Harvard. I had a dramatic encounter with God on the Charles River. I was lifted up to heaven, the vision. I saw the new Jerusalem and wonders, and God asked me for my heart. I said, yes, Lord, not today. Tomorrow I was taken down to the Charles River again. The earth was opened, and I saw Gehenna and hell and separation from God. And that day I ended up going through a plate glass window in an automobile showroom and almost bleeding to death. And in the Austin Hospital, I met Jesus in the emergency room, was born again, and I've never turned back since. I've been preaching the gospel, uh, wasn't taking drugs, but it was a real revelation that radically changed my life. I've cut my sermon in half today. Uh, I, I tend to preach a long time, so I made it shorter, and I'm going to tell you mostly stories. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Acts. Chapter 13, just read verses 1, 2, and 3, and 4. Stacy began by talking about the Apostle Paul, and I would like to, this is how the Apostle Paul was sent out as a missionary. The church in Antioch ministered unto the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, Paul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went. Paul was sent by the Holy Spirit, called, separate. A missionary is a sent one. And... Uh, Mary and I and our family, we are sent ones. We prayed for a family today to send them out to preach the gospel. Missionaries really don't go on their own, or they shouldn't. Some do, but you should be sent by the Holy Spirit and sent by a body of believers to whom you're accountable, who love you and pray for you and take care of you. I was saved in 1971 and uh, began preparing for the ministry. In 1978, we left Wilmington, Mary and I and the boys, and we went to Mexico. Uh, we were called to preach in the mountains of Oaxaca to the Indians, uh, but we didn't speak Spanish, so we had to prepare ourselves, and we went to the University of the Americas, the UDLA, the Universidad de las Americas in central Mexico. When I arrived there, it was a bilingual elite university, they looked at my qualifications, Lehigh University, Cambridge University, Harvard University, 
and they said, we are in a desperate need. We have a desperate need for a professor of microeconomics and a theory of money in banking. Can you teach that? And I said, yes. So they offered me an assistant professorship, and for two semesters I taught microeconomics and the theory of money and banking. I came to be a missionary, and I taught in English, and we studied Spanish, but they made a terrible mistake because while we were studying Spanish and I was teaching economics, we began to win the faculty and staff and some of the students to Christ. And that group, that group turned into Amistad Cristiano de Puebla, the group we left, we left 30 students in 1982, we left for Spain. That is now has 5,000 members that meet each Sunday. 200, <laughs> approximately 200 other congregations throughout this, uh, Mexico, and 12 congregations in the city of Puebla. And we've got 40 missionary wives of Mary Darbatel pastors in Spain that have come from that line. They've followed us over to Spain. But that, uh, that was the, the Udla. We started there just by telling people about Christ. And I remember, you know, I, I, was, I would take the students out and we'd sit by the fountain and I'd talk to them about Jesus and I'd say, now you see the grove of olive trees over there. You go over there and spend 10 minutes talking to Jesus. We were the captain of the football team and then one by one some of the professors. And that became the Amistad Cristiano de Puebla. In uh, 1982... Wayne Myers, who is probably the most famous missionary to Latin America, he was, you know, he's, he's given over 6,000 roofs away to churches in the last 50 years. 6,000 roofs. Most famous missionary. I was returning, uh, T.L. Osborne filmed him in, in Mexico City, and uh, he challenged me. He said, what are you doing in Mexico? There's 3,000 American missionaries in Mexico, and my daughter and son have just left for Spain. There's only one tenth of one percent of the Spanish nation that's evangelical. That's one out of a thousand people. And he, he says, you're wasting your time here. Go to Spain. I took that to my heart. We uh, left Mexico. We, were, we joined WEC International. And 1983 arrived in Spain. Now, uh, how did we stay there all this time? People in Wilmington, our friends and brethren in Wilmington, in Myrtle Grove, have for almost 40 years, four, or almost four complete decades, supported us as missionaries around the world. And we are really grateful. And like Paul, we were slayed, our hands were laid on us, we were sent out by the Holy Spirit, and we've come back periodically to give account, to tell you what we've done. And we stay you know, through Peggy and Naomi and all the different leaders and pastors in Myrtle Grove and our dozens and dozens of close friends, we've given account all these decades of what we've been doing. Now, like Paul and Barnes returning from their commissioned missionary trip in Acts 15, they reported back and recounted all the wonderful things that God had done through the Holy Spirit. Conversion of Gentiles, signs, wonders, healings, formation of churches among the Gentiles. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. Just give account. I threw half my sermon away Instead, I was going to preach to you, but I'm not going to preach. I'm going to tell stories, if that's okay. Uh, first, thanks for sending us, and thank you very much for supporting us all these years. And now, if I could tell you about some of the signs and wonders and the great things God has done, how many people actually receive our newsletter or read our newsletter regularly? Yeah, there's a, a few people. Okay. 
In my, I don't write newsletters very often because I'm kind of lazy. But um, those who get my newsletters, you, you've, you've heard about many things. Betel, what is Betel? Betel is, this, is the Spanish word for Bethel, which is the Hebrew word for the house of God. Uh, now I can say uh, without boasting, if there's any boast, all the glory belongs to God and to the Betelitos, to the redeemed men and women who have built Betel in the world. When we arrived in Spain in 1983, I went to the universities again. I went to Complutense in Madrid. I went to the Universidad de Alcalá, a 16th century, one of the old historic universities of Europe. I tried to work again with the students because God had given us favor, and we didn't have a single convert or even interest in the from the university students. But we discovered in San Blas, the, the neighborhood in Madrid we were living, the drug addicts, the alcoholics, and the prostitutes were interested in the gospel and began to respond to our literature and began to come to our home meetings. And from after winning the, you know, the gang leader, uh, Raul Castro, uh, Nicky Cruz of his area, we began to win one by one, and the mothers and the families, and Betel was born. We started our, we, our first rehab community in the, the church in our home, in San Blas, the first rehab community, and Lindsay McKinsey, a WEC Australian missionary, a young man working with us. And we got up to seven men in that house, and we had, to, we had to leave the house. The neighbors were complaining. Took a farm out by the airport. And today, almost from 1985, when we took the first drug addict in, we now have about 450 properties in the world. 170 charity shops and we have 2,300 people living in community in Betel today in 100 nations, in 20, uh, 22 nations, 100 cities of the world, 22 provinces of Spain. Now, um, we keep what we call fichas, or registry. We've had 250,000 people live in Betel communities in the last 30 years. 250,000, and it's a free program. We've never charged anybody anything. And we've created income-generating projects which finance over 95% of all our costs, which is absolutely astounding. People say that's because you went to Harvard Business School and you're a good businessman. They don't give me money or keys because I give it all away. I'm not allowed to touch anything. But we organize. The, the, the good businessmen are the, are the ex-addicts in Battelle. We just help them and set them in place. And we're a community with one people, one presbytery, and one purse. In the last 35 years, we have not had a single division in Betel. One people, one presbytery, and one purse. Speaking different languages, different cultures all around the world. We've had to kick some people out. We've had to discipline people. But we've kept what is ours before God. And um, now, but, uh, not all of Betel's story is pure victory and revival. Uh, I remember I was invited a, a, few, a decade or so ago to preach in Toronto, Canada. Winston Nunes, Dr. Nunes, who was the president of uh, Elam of Canada. He was one of my heroes when I was in Bible school at Elam up in uh, northern New York. He invited me to speak in his famous church. And he was then about 85, 86 years old. His wife was the worship leader at 87. And they had a great church. And I was just honored to be in the uh, Brother Noon's church, and uh, so I told the story about Patel. And after, after the meeting, Brother Noon's came up and he said, uh, 
Brother Tepper, I just feel so condemned by your message. You've done so much for God. God's used so much. I've done nothing. I said, no, Brother Nunes, you're my hero. You're the, you're the greatest man of God that I know. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. He's, no, it's just God has used so much. And I thought, this is terrible. Tonight I'm going to tell them about all the bad things in Vittel. So I told them about you know, all the robberies and the, half the church in the beginning dying of AIDS and the houses burning down and the accident. I told them all the terrible things. And then after the meeting, he came up to me and he said, Brother Elliot, he said, you know, this morning it was like the second coming of Christ. But tonight it was like the great tribulation. But the truth is, the truth is, it's both. It's, God does great and wonderful things, and tragic and terrible things happen. Um, I don't know how many years ago, I think probably 20 years ago, Myrtle Grove, I believe, gave us the tithe of their building fund. I think almost $100,000, and we bought their big property at the Straits of Gibraltar for Battelle of Africa. And I remember a team of you, about a dozen, came over and we, you know, prayed for the property. And, you know, we have, you know, we have uh, a number of Battelles in the north coast of Africa, ministering to the Muslims. And so we bought the highest property just under the Spanish guns on the, on the African side, the Pillar of Hercules, El Acho. And it was an old ruined uh, estate and it had a three, four-story tower. And you could look across the straits and you could see the Rock of Gibraltar. To the, to the north, you could see the, the Mediterranean, to the east, the Atlantic Ocean, to the west. And we were only a few hundred yards from Morocco, right on the border. And my friend Jack uh, Grobleski, who's a very erudite pastor, theologian, was with me. We, we, we climbed to the tower of our house. We were on top of the tower looking out at this beautiful panorama. We had just finished the morning devotional, and the men were getting into the vans, their tools and their paintbrushes, and going to our charity shops and doing work down in the, in, in the port. And Jack Grobeski said to me, he said, Patel, you're like the ancient Franciscans. I thought, that's right, we're godly, holy, mystic. Otherwise, so you're just a bunch of jerks who don't know your right hand from your left hand. You're trying to eke out a living and work together. You see, Batel, these, we, 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 Batel was built. We only have 30 WEC missionaries and maybe, you know, 30 or 40 Amistad missionaries mixed in with our 350 staff members running Batel in the world. We're just a bunch of jerks. We have one university graduate out of all our pastors. And yet they're the most amazing preachers and men and women of God in the world. So we, he's right, we're just a bunch of jerks. But <laughs> Grubby loves us. He, he, he meant that as a compliment. But Now Paul noted the same quality in the early apostolic church. If you have your Bibles, look in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 31. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31 says, for you, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many are wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. He that glories, let him glory in the Lord. For you see a calling, brethren, that not many of you are wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, 
But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put the sh to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. He that glories, let him glory in the Lord. I've read that twice. If you want to be used by God, give all the glory to God. God will take a broken vessel, a clay pot, any life that loves him, and use that life for the glory of God. I remember in the first years of Betel, uh, we, 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 we now have over 140 ordained pastors in Betel in the world. And, you know, dozens and dozens of other you know, leaders all the way. We're empowering people all the time. But I remember the first five pastors that were ordained in Betel, all gang members, all drug addicts, all had AIDS. All but one had AIDS. Four of them had AIDS. And they're all with the Lord now. I took them to um, a big pastoral gathering in the Talia Church in Madrid with me. They wouldn't let them enter. They said this was for real pastors. See, our, for ordained pastors, you know, people, trained pastors. They wouldn't let our first Patel pastors enter the meeting. I remember that. It was humiliating, having to you know, tell them that they, they, weren't, they weren't qualified. Uh, today, two decades later, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Did you celebrate the Reformation here? We celebrate, and, and they, they had to use Betel because we have the largest church in Spain now. 1,200-seat auditorium. The average church in Spain has 40 people. And uh, why? Because God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. Hallelujah. Uh, tell is a mystery, a mystery within many mysteries. Uh, there's another mystery that operates in Betel that allowed us to reach the nations for God. In the 1990s, Dutch national television did a documentary that went all around the world. It's called Half the Church Has AIDS. And they came and they filmed Betel and interviewed our leaders. Half the church has AIDS. Of that those pastors, there are only two or three or four that are alive today. They all died of AIDS. The whole first generation, second generation of Batel leaders died of AIDS. And so we had to keep on winning people because everybody kept dying on us in our congregations. And of course things have changed now with the new AIDS medication. You can almost live like a, someone with diabetes. By taking the insulin or taking the, the AIDS medication, you can suppress the AIDS virus. But back then, they were, for, for 15, 20 years, there was no hope for anyone with AIDS. After 18 months, you reach a certain level of uh, defenses, you die. It was opportunistic diseases. And so, uh, you know, my son Jonathan has written an autobiography called Shooting Up in San Blas. Which helps to, it's been, you can get it, it's on the internet, but he wants to publish it. He's published many books. But in, in one chapter, he said, he said, after my 21st friend died of AIDS, I stopped counting anymore. After my tw 21st friend died of AIDS, I stopped counting anymore. And he tells, he has one chapter where he talks about um, 
the gypsy camps. We, we grew up, David and Jonathan and Peter and Timmy grew up on, by the, uh, next to the largest gypsy camp in Europe. 10,000 gypsies living in a field without water or toilets or electricity. 10,000 people behind us. And that's why we were robbed 30 times in the early years. Our family, personally, living next to the gypsies. At the entrance of the gypsy camp, someone had written a quote from Dante's The Inferno. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Now, in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 12. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12. But we have this treasure. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. The principle is this, this, that through death, God produces life. Death works in us, but life in you. God takes the broken, God takes the rejected, and, the, and, 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 and it takes our suffering, and out of that, he produces divine life. That is a, the biblical principle. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Betel, and I would add the tepers, have not experienced pure victory. Great tribulation, the second coming of Christ, great growth, great blessing, the largest church facility in Spain, worldwide ministry to stay together because death has been working in us and suffering and tragedy. And there's a right reaction to that. The, great, the early church, you, we want a great explosive early church, but nobody would want the, the arenas and the persecution and the martyrdom that comes with it. You know, you all, I, you, you all know that, you know, the death of our young son, Timothy, 10 years, when we came home in furlough in that tragic accident on the way to Nags Head. Uh, you, you know the, about Mary's death about seven years ago, a terrible brain tumor, and, you know, she, beautiful Mary and suffering she went through. Uh, we've experienced both sides. Patel's experienced both sides. And we're not super saints, nor are we super mystics. And we've not been immune to the tragedies of life. Has anybody here been immune to the, from the tragedies of life? Nobody. Everybody has experienced that. But everybody can be a source of divine life, depending on how you react to the tragedies in life. Oof. I won 84. I was a New York State wrestling champion. And I like to fight. <laughs> I don't like to lose. Now, nevertheless, death working in us all and the mysteries of life produces life in others. There's another mystery. In 2 Samuel 23, verses 2 through 5, King David said this at the end of his life when he was uh, reflecting life, his ministry, his reign. He was one of the greatest poets. 
in history. He was a great prophet. He was the beloved of God. He was a great king. But he was also honest and imperfect and yet blessed by God and used by God. Just like Bethelitos, just like all of us can be blessed and used by God. David said this, 2 Samuel 23, verses 2 through 5. He said, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house is not so with God. Although I'm not like that. Although I've failed. Although <laughs> my house is not so with God. Yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and secure. You don't have to be perfect. You should be perfect. We should strive for perfection. But if we just keep on keeping on trusting in the Lord and letting him take, in, take our broken lives and our clay pots to reflect and to pour out his eternal life through us. The church can be built, a holy and a powerful church. Pray for Vitell. We're, um, we're growing around the world. We have many challenges. So great things are happening. Terrible things are happening. Nothing's changed in the last 35 plus years. Uh, I could tell you so many wonderful, victorious stories. And I could tell you so many really terrible things. Now, Mattel uh, of Asia. Steve and Cynthia and David and Wamey visited two years ago and we dedicated a new headquarters in, in Asia. Uh, we now have 25 cities in Asia. It tells 25 cities in Asia. Uh, eight, you know, uh, we're growing very quickly in, in Asia. We even have come to the place now where we can cover our basic operating costs through Battelle businesses in Asia, not the capital projects. Uh, I will leave uh, in a few days, after I, uh, with the day after I get back from, from America, to celebrate the 18th anniversary of Battelle of Mongolia in Ulaanbaatar. And Battelle of Mongolia is now in four cities and about to enter China, northern China. The Mongols are nomads. They're allowed to cross the border without papers. And there are three million Mongols in Mongolia, five million in China. And so we're, about, we're going to celebrate 18 years. How did the drug addicts from San Blas end up starting the Tell of Mongolia? Astounding. Absolute. They build houses. They have a construction business. They have auto changes, car washes, restaurants, bakeries, slaughterhouse, pig farms. And they're, they're conquering Asia. And they're all basically alcoholics and heroin addicts who used to live in the sewers of Ulaanbaatar because it's so cold they, they warmed themselves by living on top of the underground sewage pipes. In July, 
Keith Bergmeier is an Australian wrecker. He's the director of Battel of Asia, one of my closest friends. He and I will go to Vietnam to see about opening Battel in Vietnam. We'll speak at the ch uh, Church Missionary Alliance Conference at the WEC IMMM Conference, the government officials, to see if we can get a foothold into Southeast Asia. And that will be uh, run by Battel of India, basically. Tel of Australia, we're planning to open up a tell in, from Australia in the Philippines this year. Uh, give thanks with us for all the favor God has given Batel of India, Batel of the UK. Batel in, in Great Britain will probably in the next five to ten years eclipse Batel of Spain. We're now in 13, 14 urban areas of Great Britain. Uh, we have just been invited to be part of the Royal Trust of Great Britain. The, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, the, you know, the, uh, Prince William and his wife, Kate, for some reason decided to ask if they could visit the Tell of Coventry. We've been given that we, ha we have two five-star restaurants in Great Britain, in our Battelle businesses, and uh, they heard about the Battelle restaurant in the Coventry Cathedral, and they brought their royal staff, and William and Kate are real sincere Christians, real Christians. They are not fake Christians, real Christians. And the Queen Mother, the, the Queen is a Christian. We, Charles, you need to pray for Charles. Is this, no, I, I, I was in, in Cambridge with Charles. He was in St. John's and I was at Selwyn. He's, he's a little more liberal, new ages, but his, but his son, real Christian. One of his sons. Um, thank God for all the favor that has been shown us. For the favor in Spain, there are 30,000 charities in Spain. Of those charities, 100 have been declared a public utility, like the Heart Fund and you know, uh, so on. Patel is one of the 100 out of the 30,000 that's been chosen by the Spanish government to be a public utility. They don't give you any money or anything, but. They recognize this as a public utility. Uh, pray for the Battelles that are really suffering. Mexico, Bulgaria, Andalusia, the, the, southern, the southern part of Spain, 30% unemployment. Uh, some some Battelles are real, in India, very, very poor, certain parts of India. Um, pray for the interns that will be coming. We've had 500 applications for short-term interns to serve in Battelle. And 100 have been to serve with us in recent years. 120. If you, are there any young people listening? You can serve in Battelle. It's free. You don't have to, you don't need, all you need is a plane ticket to get there. And it's not like, you know, some programs like YWAM, which is a great program. You don't have to pay anything. You just have to live with the drug addicts in a dorm and work and eat our food and be part of the family. But we, we, we would love to have young people come and serve in Battelle. We've had uh, dozens of um, missionaries come out of our intern program, and you can even find a husband. There are nine men for each woman in Battelle. So I tell girls, if, if you're fat, ugly, and you don't have it, just come to Battelle. We'll, we get, we'll get you. That's not, that's not fair, because I'm getting a little fat. Okay, okay I, I better stop. Um, I'll just say this, pray for me, 
I know I need to stop right now. It looks like the time clock has run out. Uh, I will be 72 in August. I know I look much younger. I understand. But I will be 72 in August. And of the WEC missionaries, of the, the 2,000 WEC missionaries, I'm the oldest serving WEC missionary. Still right now. We had one, you know, uh, one WEC missionary step back in for a year to take the home base in New Zealand, but I am the oldest serving WEC missionary, and I have no plans on retiring. I will stay in the field, keep preaching, and I thank you for your prayers and your support. I take nothing from Battelle. Battelle, you know, produces about $30 million a year to support the three 2,000 people in the community. I, I pay all my own expenses, transport, traveling, everything. I serve Battelle because of Myrtle Grove and other friends. So I really thank you for that. I mentioned Wayne Myers. Uh, he celebrated his 99th birthday, I believe this year, 98th, 99th. I was at his 88th birthday party. And when they, when, at, when they got up to pray for him, at the end, the, brother put, the brothers laid hands on him. They said, Lord, just strengthen Brother Myers and give him another decade. He says, no, don't pray that prayer. He said, don't put limits on God. <laughs> and that's, that's my attitude. You know, I want to keep on serving God until the very end. Uh, Wayne came and preached for us a couple years ago. He slowed down a lot. He only preached 17 times in 21 days. 92 years of age. 17 times in 21 days, traveling up and down all around Spain, not in one city. That is astounding. Pray for me. I just, uh, I'll say this. In the last few months, I've been in Battelle, South Africa, Bulgaria, the UK, Scotland, Holland, Germany. The Basque country is Zaragoza, Barcelona. Battelle, Portugal, and Porto, and Lisboa. Uh, Algeciras in the south. And Gibraltar. So pray for me that I will still have the strength to carry on. The Lord bless you. Thank you.